All right, welcome in. It is episode 88 of the Three Guys Talking Ball podcast. It is a Des Bryant, Michael Irvin edition of the podcast here. And we got the trade deadline approaching. The uh, training camp has started already, unfortunately, seen some casualties. But we'll talk about NFL at a later date. The trade deadline is coming up. The Twins are hot. They are back. And with that trade deadline coming up, we said that when we had our preseason Twins interview, we were going to have Brandon back on to discuss as they mirror positivity some moves possibly to see what the Twins will be doing to get over the hump of winning a playoff game, winning a series, and winning it all. And after their start out of the All-Star break, I'm fully back on the wagon. Everybody else here is as well. And the Twins are going to win the World Series. It's it, it's that simple. And Brandon, he's got his Minneapolis Twins hat – or. Miami Twins hat on. It looks like I believe he's got a uh, he's got softball um, at eight fifteen on Monday as we record this. So he's kind enough to join us. So Brandon, welcome on. And we want to start something. I, I got one question I got to get out of the way. Now you're very active on Twitter. You're very good about interacting with fans, which sometimes is great, sometimes not so great. Now, what is your your favorite funniest? Uh, interaction that you've had on Twitter where you, whether it was actually like a fun conversation or one where it's like, I, I'm dumber for reading this. Actually, first of all, it's great to be back. Um, in just before the 2014 season, the twins signed Phil Hughes to a contract and I was at the press conference and Mm -hmm. I asked what I thought was just a great question. I was like, Hey, you know, did you talk to Pelf about how different it's going to be to pitch in Minnesota compared to New York? Because Pelfrey had been with the Mets. Tw- Hughes had been with the Yankees. I thought, hey, cool, you know, see what it's going to be like, the change of se- scenery in Minnesota compared to New York. And I thought this was just, again, like a, a really good question, and he just goes, no, I haven't. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And I was like, three-word answer. I'm just thinking to myself, um, okay. So I just kind of you know what compose myself and what let it kind of go on and this isn't a big group setting mind you so everybody is right there as it happens it's on tv everything and i'm just feeling stupid so anyway he plays that first full season with the twins and then randomly he tweets me hey uh i had a chance to talk to pelf it's different and then he followed me right after that so it was actually kind of funny like uh i thought i was asking this great question and he just gave me this flat answer and we ended up being you know, really good, uh, really close as far as, um, you know, relationship between someone covering the team and a player. So it, it all worked out well, but, um, yeah, that got off to kind of a funny start. Okay. That, <laughs> that, that was, I, I feel like there's a lot of journalists who have that. I bet you there were a lot of them in the room that, cause it, that was sounded like it was a le- legit question. And I thought, you know, so. sometimes you deal with those people that just don't want to talk. I don't think he understood the spirit of it. And I think that was the issue. And I'm not going to follow up with, you know, it's going to be different, right? Because I assume when he signed, he knew that. But it was like, all right, I'll just tuck my tail between my legs and live to fight another day. Okay. Now, back to the, the go fast forward here to the 2023 twins. What's weird to think 2014 was nine years ago. Right. But so now they're off to the eight and two start, like I said. 
and they seem to be playing a lot better. They won a game they had no business winning yesterday, down 3-0 in the ninth, find a way to come back, win it in the 12th, and thought they were going to go to a 13th when they hit into a double play. <laughs> but, you know, what's been so far the biggest difference that you've seen from the first half? And granted, it is early in the second half of the season, but what what have you what improvements have you seen so far from the first half to the first 10 games of the second half of the season? Um, I think it became clear in the Chicago series that they were playing a tighter brand of baseball where Chicago's kicking the ball all over the place and the tying run scores because the right fielder falls down and that sort of thing. It feels like they did, whether it's just how it's gone or they've made adjustments or whatever, but they've tightened things up in terms of approach at the plate. You know, it's still happening where they'll have ugly, 2-0 swings. Christian Vasquez had one in particular late in the game yesterday that just made me want to bash my brains out. But they've had, <laughs> they've had a much more sound approach at the plate. They've played better defense, I feel like. And the bullpen was incredible. Only uh, The Twins were the only bullpen to not allow an, uh, a run over the weekend. And so that shows you where this bullpen is kind of come into shape. And what's even more impressive yet is that, um, you know, they don't have Brock Stewart right now. They don't have Caleb Thielbar right now. Um, they're missing some guys. They can't trust Jorge Lopez right now. So it was an impressive weekend from the bullpen. And I feel like those aspects tightened up have made this a much better team. Talking about the bullpen, Pagan last like what week and a half, two weeks, dude has nails. Yeah. Uh, it, the whole thing with him was keeping the ball in the ballpark. And he's done that for the most part. Now the scrutiny is higher because of how bad he was last year. And so he's had a couple of high profile blowups. Uh, 420 in Boston is the one that I always come back yeah. to just because uh, that was so ugly. I think that was backing up Kent Maeda, who had a really tough start that day too. So basically he's had a couple of games where it's been like, Oh man, here we go again. But for the most part, he's been nails. I mean, if you look at his numbers and you put them up against most other guys that are throwing the sixth or seventh inning for other teams, he's right there. And so uh, as much as people don't want to admit it, he's been pretty dang good this year. And, uh, you know, Brent, I guess, you know, Dylan mentioned the trade deadlines coming up. I just want to go back to a trade before the year, you know, the Pablo Lopez-Luis Arise trade. You know, Pablo's win-loss record, it's not great, but he also doesn't have much good run support, and he's one of the best um, – strikeout pitchers in the American League. I'm just curious, how in the organization do they feel about this trade halfway through the year, or a little over halfway through? I think the emergence of Eddie Julien helps. Not that he had anything to do with the trade, or that they knew that if they were going to hand over the keys to him at second base eventually, that would make it look differently. But I think the fact that they're getting some offense out of second base right now, certainly not getting defense, but that wasn't going to be the case with the rise anyway. I feel as though if you just assess the trade on how it's gone to this point, uh, if you took either side and said you like that side better, I'd really have no problem with it. But I think that the arrow is going to point more up as time goes on, just because, you know, we've seen Luis Arise have stretches where he hits like 300 instead of 360, and he doesn't have the slugging percentage to hold that up to where his numbers look, you know, world beating. I mean, if you look at his numbers last year, he won the batting title with an OPS under 800. Like, that's really hard to do. So he's not really a fit at second base. Miami is kind of punting defense there. At first base, he's not really a traditional producer like you'd like at at that position. 
And if he becomes a DH, then all bets are off because, you know, the Twins are the Twins are rolling with Byron Buxton at DH. It's just kind of how it goes sometimes. So I think the fact that they turned a guy who hits about a billion singles into somebody who I think is, I mean, based on Fangraph's war, he's a top 20 pitcher in baseball. Um, Strikeout-wise, he's one of the five best in baseball. I think I still like it from the Twins' side, and that's before you consider that they got Salas, the infield prospect, who who knows what's going to happen there. And then Churio is basically a lottery ticket kid that's you know in his te- late teens, early 20s. So I still think the Twins did fine with the trade. And I think the, the when we look back on it five years from now, it'll be like, okay, that was a pretty good trade. But I understand people being like attached to a rise because he's a good dude, great clubhouse guy, a lot of fun. Who doesn't like a guy that spoils a billion hundred mile an hour fastballs against Edwin Diaz, right? But <laughs> I think the Twins did well here because now they have room for Julia. And they, when Polanco comes back, they're going to still have room for all these guys, hopefully. Uh, I think that, I think it was a good trade. That brings me right. Well, I know who doesn't club. who doesn't like that. Brandon is Frank the Tank. He does not like it when Edwin Diaz gets gets uh, hit on. Well, now he's not worried about it because Diaz is <laughs> laid up for the rest of the year. God, that, his that, his that, enemy is the World Baseball Classic. I think his enemy is everything baseball related. <laughs> yeah. <There. laughs> uh, you brought up Polanco, which brings me to the next one. But he's playing third base at St. Paul right now. What the heck is going to happen when Royce comes back too? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times I, I, I say don't worry about it because these things work themselves out. You know, they have uh, – who was it that went on this? Oh, Nick Gordon got hurt when they were going to have a, yeah. a roster crunch. And they've had a few different spots where it's like, oh, what's going to happen here? And then someone gets hurt. But if you're adding two players of the caliber of Polanco and Lewis and not subtracting anybody and, you know, knock on wood, you don't want to subtract anybody – it's going to get tricky. It's going to get dicey. It might come down to, you know, a tough decision of maybe sending Willie Castro down, which is tough because yeah. he's kind of been their do-it-all guy. But at the same time, they're not getting rid of Donovan Solano. I don't think they're going to cut Gallo or Kepler. Uh, and it gets tricky because 26-man rosters and options and 40-man stuff. Um, the best thing I can say is it's a good problem to have, and hopefully it doesn't cause them to move on from a player that we like. And I'm glad it's not my decision. But at the same time, just imagine how much better this offense is with those two guys in the lineup. If you can still manage to get Byron Buxton in there um, and swinging better, Eddie Julian. I mean, I love the talent on this roster, like this 40-man roster, including injured guys. I think this team has so much talent, it's just a matter of getting them all on the field at the same time. Yeah, which, well, and you you mentioned Buxton, who was who was benched coming out of the All-Star break. He had two home runs on Friday. I didn't quite get to see how he did on Saturday and, and Sunday, but, you know, what, and this is maybe looking f- ahead, but it sounds like his days of playing the outfield are done. Um, is there any possibility that he would move over to right or left field, or is he stuck to a DH, or is he going to be playing somewhere like a first base or anything, or is he just a DH. Well, I read in the athletic recently that the twins are believing the sun hasn't set, but you know, it's kind of a fool me once fool me twice kind of thing where, you know, you, you can be hopeful, but at the same time, you know, you can't sell tickets and win games with hope either. So we've (laughs) seen a lot of really good center fielders move to the corners in their career. Tory Hunter for a blast from the past, or if you want to go further back, Kirby Puckett did it too. So, 
I don't think it would be unreasonable to put him in a corner and then maybe try Royce Lewis out there again, Austin Martin, who knows. But I think that it's it's certainly possible a corner could be in his wheelhouse. I just think, though, if, if the issue is playing outfield and not speed so much, you know, moving to a corner doesn't make him any less likely to get hurt. So for me, it's center or bust. I don't really see him fitting at first base, and I think that's just due to uh, his skill set and the fact that they're, you know, Kirilov's first baseman, they've got some bodies there. So I'm hopeful that it, it may not be this year because this knee thing seems like it's a pretty big deal, but I'm still holding out hope against hope that he'll play center field again. But I understand it's, it's a, it's a losing proposition if I were to put money on it someplace. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it may, you may have, may have had an argument too early or pre all-star break when Kepler couldn't have, couldn't hit water out of a boat. Seems like he's been able to find a way to get a kind of get out of that funk. What have what what have you seen the difference between first half and second half so far from him? He's he's hitting the ball hard, I think, a little more. And then there's some normalization. I mean, if you looked at his kind of like stat cast stuff, they're like, oh, he's hitting the ball hard, uh, but he's not getting anything to show for it. And again, it doesn't matter how hard you hit it if it's on 54 bounces to second base because those guys are going to pick it up and throw you out no matter We're what. We're straight in the air to right field. Right, right, exactly. So I think he's just kind of had some of that normalizing. He seems to take decent plate appearances. He doesn't get himself out in the sense of like Joey Gallo swinging through pitches. Sometimes, you know, Michael A. Taylor has very bad plate discipline. I don't feel like when Kepler's up there, he's getting himself out necessarily. It's just that. You know, he's been so average for so long that I think Twins fans are just kind of bored with him. Okay. Who's a realistic trade target? Like, I have honestly have not seen many names at all. Well, it depends on the need that you see. You know, we keep hearing people talk about someone who can hit lefties. We hear people talk about maybe a third baseman. To me, it comes down to probably a reliever or two, and then from there, you kind of reassess because – well, I like guys like Oliver Ortega has looked pretty good lately. Giovanni Moran has had his moments. Um, I love Brock Stewart, but he's hurt right now. Caleb Thielbar, same deal. Uh, you know, I think relief help is probably the best bet, and I don't think they're going to shoot all that high. You know, we're not talking about, like, the Rangers trading for Araldis Chapman or, you know, the Twins targeting someone like David Bednar from the Pirates. I think it's going to be more along the lines of – you know, they're going to find a guy who's got like secondary numbers who are good, but hasn't been pitching all that well on the, the big, you know, if you look at the big picture, a guy like Michael Fulmer's ERA, you're like, what the heck is this guy? Yeah. You're like, this guy sucks. And then you look at how he's pitched over the last like two months and it's like, okay, you know, he can do some things. He's going to be cheap. He was cheap last year when he was pitching better. You know, the twins traded a prospect for him that um, hasn't done much in the tiger system. And uh I like Brent Suter from the Rockies, who's another one. He's a funky lefty, uh, depending on how left-handed you want to be. I-, I did have a list, though. I think it was like seven or eight decent relievers that I really liked. I really like Scott Barlow from the Royals. Um, again, his numbers are off a bit. I don't think they'd trade Carlos Hernandez, who throws the crap out of the ball, but I really like him. And then uh, a guy I come back to a lot because of his age is uh, David Robertson. I don't know how much the Mets mm. could get for him. But he's been around forever. He's pitched some big games. He's pitched in both cities, uh, both New York teams. So there's not much you're going to throw at him that he hasn't seen in terms of pressure and in terms of moments and that sort of thing. 
and he's like my age. Like he's literally 37, 38 years old. So um, <laughs> they're not going to have to be like, oh, we're going to get your three best prospects or anything. Is there It'll a bit be- of like a bias there then? Probably. Uh, you know, us old people like to stick together. That's why, uh, <laughs> that's why the early bird special and senior citizen centers exist. So. <laughs> well, I heard 37 is the new 20, Brandon. So you're, you're good. Tell my back that. <laughs> but yeah well you know you mentioned a lot of these i feel like a lot of them that are on these trading blocks that you where you said their numbers maybe it's just they need that change of scenery that kind yeah. of re- rejuvenate them um minnesota is a beautiful place to visit in the summer i think that's good for anybody's mental mm-hmm. health um, and if you like to hunt fish, and ever yeah. yep absolutely and you let's i guess we can go over to like the more broader MLB picture here, who are some, who are some teams that are going to be, that are looking, you mentioned the Rangers looking to buy. Um, who are some other teams that are going to be looking to buy? I can, I imagine the guardians are also, um, who are some teams no. that are going to be looking to buy at the deadline? And who are some teams that are going to be looking to sell? Yeah. I feel like the guardians are going to be in that rental market just because they don't pay players that much. And so they're going to want, you know, guys, that are impending free agents who either the other team will kick in some money for uh, exchange for a better prospect or that sort of thing. But in the division, everybody else is going to sell. I mean, the White Sox have some interesting individual pieces, depending on if you can convince yourself that Lance Lynn could improve or Joe Kelly or Reynaldo Lopez. I like Reynaldo Lopez quite a bit, but I don't think they're going to trade him in the division, but I'd be fine with Kelly too. He was pumping a hundred yesterday when he was in there and that's never a bad thing. Um, the, the tricky teams right now, though, that don't really know where they're selling or buying are the Mariners are one, who the Twins have in town this week. The Padres don't really know where they're going. Um, the Cubs don't really have any idea where they're going. And the Mets still are trying to convince themselves that they have a chance in the wild card because, I mean, the Braves are running away with that thing. Um, otherwise, the, the, the gaps are pretty significant between the haves and the have-nots. The Cardinals seem to be like, oh, we're going to kind of ride this out and next year we'll contend. And I get that. They're, they're a talented team that's played poorly this year. But sometimes, you know, you can only delude yourself so much before you lose um, any value these guys had and you're just kind of riding it out. So uh, with that said, though, like the close division races are going to be the ones that are going to be the most fun to watch what teams do and if others do like reactionary moves. Like if the Twins were to trade for a couple really good relievers do the guardians think, Oh shoot, we need offense and go get, you know, a batter to a cheap one, you know, like a CJ crone or something like that who used to play for the twins or, or uh, Heimer Candelario who's on the block from the nationals. You know, I don't, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm eager to see because I love the trade deadline. It's like Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and when, when is that? Is that August 1st? I think I saw. Five uh, days the first it's the first or the second. It's usually July 31st, but they've kind of tweaked it back and forth a little bit here. I think it's the first or the second. Okay, I'll take a look here. Twins and, just uh, took the lead. Hey! Two to one. Yeah. Christian August... has jam shot single over first base. You know, he's been really good defensively, and I think people hate on his offense for good reason, but I still think they don't regret that signing at all. No. Mm-mm. Look, He's Look at stud. this pitching staff. Look at these pitch- this pitching staff with these two guys behind the plate. The Twins are in perfect shape catching-wise, which is good because they really don't have anybody in the farm system <laughs> at catcher. So 
Um, they're set there, but I, I, I don't think they regret signing Vasquez one bit. And he seems like a really fun guy to have around. And, you know, $10 bucks in today's game is really nothing. I mean, Jeffers is hitting 272. Like, they're a pretty damn good one and two punch. Jeffers is good defensively, too, which was the knock on him coming out of college was he might be a bat first catcher. And then the glove actually developed more than the bat. I think the bat's catching up. I've, I've been a mm-hmm. big fan of him offensively, and I knew that, you know, he'd, he'd struggled. But that first little bit when he came up in, I think it was 2020, he had pretty good numbers. And it was like, okay, if he can be that guy, that's a really dang good catcher. And I think he can be that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So the trade time. deadline is August first at uh, six Eastern time. So I, I believe that's what Monday, Tuesday. Next, next Tuesday. It's Tuesday mm-hmm. because Tuesday. it's National Night Out in my neighborhood, and I'm helping put it on. So I'm going to be watching nice. my phone while I'm setting up tables and chairs, <laughs> like a like a good boy. Kind of feel like <laughs> kind of feel like Schefter and free agency or Woj. Um, all, all <laughs> The the draft especially, you see Woj on the screen. And you're like, how are you, how's he getting these tweets out? It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Yeah. He has to have these things just saved. Think... He edits a name and it's just boom, boom, boom. Like, I don't I don't know if you guys have watched how much you guys have watched a quarterback on Netflix, but they like the thing with Kirk Cousins where he's got like the the headband on where his screen goes dark mm-hmm. when he uh when he's like not focused on what he's supposed to be watching. I bet you Woj has one of those. Where it just types out types out what his brain is thinking, and he it just go go go, and that's that's how it's so fast here. Is, is that considered AI? It might be. I think yeah. so. I yeah. don't know. He's pretty he's pretty in deep with China, so I mean they I've I've heard their AI is yeah. a lot more advanced, so that could be that could be what it is. I feel um, like they're kind of on the but, cutting edge of technology, so yeah. <laughs> But you, you guys were mentioning catchers here, and I'm I'm a little bit disappointed, Brandon, that your interview with AJ Pruszynski, where what he was for the White Sox, absolutely hated the guy, just awful, just just when you looked at him, just just a very punchable face. Yep. And <laughs> and then I, I've seen him a couple of times on TikTok, and then I listened to your podcast that you did with him, which is great. Go check it out. It is uh, Twins. Twins Daily? Locked on Twins. Locked on Twins. There you go. Twins Daily yep. Ted. And Oh, no. <laughs> we don't like Ted. Nobody does. <laughs> Why and uh, um, listening to it, I was like, he sounds like I kind of want to hang out and ha- have a beer with him and listen to yep. him tell stories. Because that, that podcast could have gone on for probably in about two hours, and I would have been hanging on every word of it. He was great. Uh, Doug Mankiewicz was great. I've I've really yep. been lucky that guys have have stepped in there. And yeah, AJ was great. Any chance he you get him to come out of retirement and catch? You know, I don't think so. But uh, he did say, and I'm sure you heard <laughs> that he almost signed with the Twins that last time he was in free agency. He actually had committed yep. to, uh, I think it was Atlanta at the time. I know he played for Boston and Atlanta down the stretch. It might have been Boston, but he. Uh, Gardy I think it was up. Boston. Yeah, it might have been Boston. I think Atlanta was at the tail end. And uh, it was his last, like, multi-year decent contract or whatever. And the Twins, like, Gardy called him a couple hours later. He's like, oh, dang, you know, would have been would have been great to have you. And it just didn't work out. But, yeah, um, I think that's our best bet. I think, he's, I think he's really enjoying doing podcasts and TV right now. I can't blame him. 
He's re- and he's really good at it too. He is. He is. Who else have you had with interviews that you've uh, really enjoyed and gotten to um, do, or do you have any any on the bucket list that you would uh, you'd want to sit and chat with? Well, uh, Matt Lawton was really good. Uh, again, mm. probably speaks more to people of my age. On other podcasts that I did, though, I had Tom Kelly, Buck Showalter, Paul Molitor. Um, they were all. Great. What were they like? Uh, so Tom, Ke- my favorite one is Tom Kelly because. Of all the podcasts I've ever done, like if people don't know, we're doing a video chat, right? I don't mean to pull back the screen or anything, but with him, we had to call his landline. He did not have a cell phone, a computer, (laughs) nothing. That's amazing. I'm on Skype, right? And phone calls are like, you got to bring up the dial pad and push the buttons. And it's almost like you're calling on one of those rotary phones from when I was a baby. And um, I'm like, cool, I got Tom Kelly's phone number, right? So I call and it goes, if you're a solicitor, you must hang up right now. Otherwise, press one to stay on the line. And I'm like, oh, crap. How do I push a button again? Because the phone thing disappeared. And I was like scrambling to get it back. And I'm thinking, if I can't get on the phone with this guy, we're not going to get this interview. And that's a big missed opportunity. And luckily, it worked out. We got him for the the whole hour. And he was wonderful. But um, I was peeing my pants there for a second that we might not get him because the the, – the old man doesn't even have a cell phone. That's incredible. Buck was that, great too. Buck that was, is, Buck was great. He was about uh, two or three weeks from getting hired by the Mets. But again, because my co-host played for him, that was an easy in. So anytime we found a guy who had played with this guy or anybody who knew him, it was a, oh yeah, I'd love to. You know, we had before we kind of disbanded. We wanted to get like Todd Todd, Todd Stottlemyre and a few other guys from that era, and I'd love to start it again, but. Let me tell you, it's so much fun talking to these guys because they have so much knowledge and experience. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you've ever heard of like the Lost Ballparks podcast where he gets it. It, it started out as a Facebook page where he'll pre or do like talk about old stadiums. And now he has he's gotten some really good guests on and listening to them tell stories about like the old days of the different clubhouses and yeah. how people acted. Those stories are incredible. Well, so I went to Wrigley Field for the first time in 2018, and it just it was stunning to me the difference between the visiting clubhouse and the home clubhouse. So they had remodeled one one-off season, and they were going to do the next one the next. Well, of course, you do the home one first, right? So, like, each locker has, like, these neon lights down the side, and there's a bar in the middle where you can go hang out. Like, not bar to drink, but, like, you know, a bar where you can – get your food and whatever. And then I go to the visitor one and it's like the size of my truck here. And it's everybody's <laughs> shoehorned in sitting on top of each other. And you have to go down a walkway, cut across in this little corridor and then go across a catwalk. And then you're in this little closet where, um, you know, 25 at the time twins had to squeeze in. I, I can't imagine what September back then was like when you could have like 35 guys. It was, it was so tight, like, Logan Morrison was, like, stepping on me going past because they were watching the, uh, like, some soccer, like the World Cup or something. It was crazy. Have you ever been in the uh, the Metrodome clubhouses at all? No, I, um, only the press box. I got to be in the press box, the baseball press box, but never the clubhouses, which bums me out because the steps. Wasn't it, like, 100 <laughs> steps or something crazy? I, I wish I would have gotten to see that. Yeah. 
Because I remember, I remember when we got to tour it, they only took us into the Vikings locker room, yeah. but they talked about how the visitors always would complain was because it was just so jam packed, crammed. And I don't know know what the Twins was like, but the Vikings one was nothing special. But I feel like the Twins would have had to been a little bit better because they were spent a lot more time in there. It was but they small, talked though. about how the visitors. What's that? It was pretty small. I know it was small. I was told that um, because some of the clubbies they had when I was covering in person had been there. So I know it was small, but um, no frills, but it was decent, I think. Okay. But they talked about they'd always complain, and then I guess they would just hang up because it's like, yeah, you're the visitors. We don't care. You're not supposed to be comfortable. Exactly. You're here for three days. I I would like to see that go back for all sports. That's 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 part about – and also, if you when you are on the road, embracing being being on the road and embracing that little tiny cram spot and saying when you win, give them the double middle fingers, saying yeah, it don't matter. Freedom rock anytime, any place, anywhere. So, yep. um, you I know you got softball here, so we'll we'll uh, let you go. Last question: Is there any chance that the Twins are going to be trading for Shohei, <laughs> no. or do you see him getting traded at all? I I don't see it, but. I think Artie Marino, the the team's owner, has deluded himself into thinking that they can do something this year. One of my favorite all-time memes, and I'll leave you with this, is a picture of Stephen Curry and Mike Trout shaking hands with the caption, congrats on winning 70 games last year, bro, and the other one says, you too. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like they're doomed as long as – it's so weird because if you had Otani and Trout on an NBA team, like two players that good, you're winning the title every year, right? Or you're, you're in the yep. conference finals. Uh, in the NFL, even with all those players, if you have the best quarterback and receiver, you can hang. You know, it's, it's not going to be maybe, um, you know, it's like uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase or that sort of thing. But for whatever reason, they just have not gotten over that hump. And the funny thing is that doesn't mean there's a better way to spend money than on superstars. It just means that they can't keep pitching healthy. They can't keep anybody healthy. I mean, for crying out loud, uh, Gio Urshela, who was on the Twins last year, broke his, uh, I think his he fractured kneecap. his pelvis. Oh, his, his pelvis, that's right. Yeah, I mean, this team's cursed. It's the opposite of Angels <laughs> in the outfield. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, how many games do you see on the ESPN ticker where the where it's Mike Trout 3-for-4 with a home run, Shohei Otani 3-for-4 with a home run, Angels lose 3-to-2? Yep, or eight to four, eight to two. It's, it's right. horrible, horrible, unbelievable. But, yeah. Well, Brandon, good luck tonight. How's the uh, how's how's the softball season going? I've been playing better defensively than offensively, which is unusual. But the swings. What position around. you play? You're Max Kepler. I play everywhere. I'm a lefty, but I like playing third base. I play first base on the Rogers team here, but in St. Michael Albertville, I play at third. So wherever I'm a lefty, okay. but I love playing anywhere. Oh God. Okay, gotcha. How's the team playing? Good. Uh, I think we're good. Twelve and eight, or twelve and six, something like that. Pretty good season so far. Ooh. You guys are your your team's doing better than us. We had so before we had a tournament a couple of weeks back, mm-hmm. and we before going in we could not hit. We we hadn't won two games in a row all year. We just miserable right. play. We come coming to the tournament. Decide to hit the lights out of the ball. We ended up taking second. We lost in the championship game 35 to 25. Wow. <laughs> and and then the next week, last week when we played, 
played our regular Tuesday night league. Back to normal. Couldn't hit couldn't hit water if we fell out of a boat. Isn't that funny though how it ebbs and flows so much? You're like, these are the same guys. This is the same team, and at the same time, it's just like, nope, nope. Consistent yep. effort is is not a thing in this kind of league. And it, you know, it's fun. It's fun to hang out with the boys. But let me tell you, winning is fun too. Yeah. Well, I've always because I'm I'm the manager too, so I've always oh, joked what? that after 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 games where. I told I told one of my buddies is we should do a press conf a mock press conference just as as a joke. I think that would maybe tomorrow night we might I might have to do that for the last regular Perfect. season game. But I, I will Brandon, thank you it. again. Thank you again. We appreciate it. We're gonna hopefully have you on giving us a, a a playoff preview for the Twins. So thank you. Good luck tonight. Anytime, boys. Be good. See you later, man. You too. Thank you. All right. Thanks again to Brandon. That was a that was a good interview. Um, you know, there's always some type of chaos every time. This is the third time he's come on now, so he's actually tied. Two of us uh, tied at the mm-hmm. have been at softball. The the other one, I was it's having gone. technical issues where my mixer did not want to connect. Luckily, we made that made it through that, and then. That also the time his dog decided to have an absolute panic attack and start barking like crazy. Good thing Boone's sleeping right now. Yes. Works that in the twelve-year-old dog. We got, uh, yeah. we got a good boy for one at Ethan's place. Yes. Yep. And uh, the twins are fine. Good. Oh. What uh? What what did he did he get into some food he shouldn't have? Did he, um, well, yeah, did he I told you anybody? he ate all that chocolate. Um, they're ready to take him $900 vet bill later, and then he likes to get in the garbage every single day. So, yeah, it's going great. Oh. He's the a joys of having a dog. But yeah. you love him. Oh, yeah. He's my buddy. So, all right, fellas. Well, guys, now the twins, they're playing well. Let's knock on wood. Let's hopefully that keeps it going. Their gut mirror positivity says they are going to keep it going. And um, the uh, I, I I did something for the first time this weekend is I I grilled a tomahawk steak, and I revert it it was probably the best steak I've ever had. You guys saw the pictures of it. I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't take a picture of it, but I got I finally was able to get good grill marks on both sides. I figured out the key is what you do is you just crank your grill up to about 600 degrees, and about 30 seconds, 30 seconds, one side, 30 seconds, the other, and then you flip it and do the same thing. You get those really good grill marks and it's still, still pink center here. Just, I just reverse seared it at 225 until it got to about, and and then let it set for about 15 minutes. And it was chef's kiss. Not bad. Did you get a little, a little salt bay action afterwards when you, when you were done with your final, final masterpiece? I did not do any of the salt bay. No, I, I, what I put, I put, uh, I put butter. I put about a, two tablespoons of butter on it while it was resting for those 15 minutes. Um, I've also seen, if I do it again, I'm thinking maybe I might like make some compound butter. Have you guys seen that or made that before? And then I've also seen a lot of it, a lot of it too. What they do is they'll, they'll, people will, like dip it like in like, like a, some different I saw a guy make use like wash your sister sauce some type of thing and then another one with butter but I used I used a mix of bacon up and butter as a binder 
and then salt and pepper, and then the Jack Stack, uh, the Jack Stack everything seasoning, which is the best best season best way to make a steak too. Now I figured out is if you're grilling it, you get a the butter and the bacon up as a binder, salt and pepper, and then the Jack Stack everything seasoning. Incredible. Not bad. Seems like uh, seems like you got this all dialed in. I do, I do. Um, now have you have you Grant have you have you either of you guys made made a tomahawk before? I've not. No. no. I know it's. I mean, it looks cool, but uh, it's not worth it to have that whole bone. Like, if anything, just just buy a bone in cowboy. You know, ribeye. It's the same thing. You don't have you don't have two feet of bone that you got to deal with that you're just wasting. Yeah, they look well. Cool. You could give it to the dog. It's true. I mean, they look cool. <laughs> well, but no, it's not for me. And also, I'm not paying fifty five dollars for a steak. I'm just not doing it. Get it at Walmart. It was only thirty five. I don't even know where the nearest Walmart is to me. Oh, Robinsdale. Maybe Tart. Yeah, and I'm not going there. Oh yeah, it's no Brooklyn Center. Sorry, no, they closed that one. I ain't going there. I went there once. I, I had to grab. I think they closed that one actually. Yeah, I was going to say I did not feel safe. Um, no. So definitely not going back to that Walmart ever again. No. <laughs> well, that's all I have here, so. That sucks. You you can only cook with the ingredients you're given. Um, this is true. This is Walmart. true. You're only given a Walmart. What do you do? And then I played 45 holes of golf. Jeez, that's a, that's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot of golf. It was. So Saturday I played played 18. And then as I'm coming home, I knew it was incredibly slow. It was terrible. And as I'm coming home, buddy calls me. He's like, what are you doing tonight? I was like, nothing. I ain't got nothing planned. He's like, well, I'm going out at 630 to do nine. You want to come with? Yeah, what the hell? Why not? So I went and did that. Mm-hmm. And then eight o'clock on uh, Sunday, went and played. And that was my best round of the day. But still, it was not a still. Got off to a rough, rough, rough start. Back to back, triple, triple, triple on on Sunday, and a double, triple on Saturday, and then a triple double Saturday night. But after that, I I played well. Two holes to start your round like that will make you want to quit. Yeah, I I had a I had a had had to hit out of the sand on, on Sunday. I had hit it once, didn't get out. Tried to hit it again, didn't get out again. Chucked my sand wedge down, threw it up on the green about a good, uh, good, good arm wedge, about a about a putter's length to uh, for for triple bogey. Oh, there you go. Uh-huh. We went on. Uh, we went on Friday night, and there's a hole. We only went nine holes, but I played this course once. This this hole's like way up high. You have like a steep drop off to where you hit it. There's a little creek. About you have to carry about two hundred to get it over it. And like I know last time I just went right. Right, I went iron and just hit it behind the creek. I was like a little wuss three years ago, but I also wasn't as good as I am now. Or somehow I've gotten better. I don't know how. But to Friday, I was like, "F it! Like, why the hell not go for it?" I absolutely rip this drive. Goes over the trees. It's cutting towards the green. I'm like, "Okay, that'll be like 20, 30 yards short." It's like two hundred eighty-five, I think. Um, total, the, the hole is. Start looking around for. Him, I'm like, "God damn it! I don't see this ball anywhere." All of a sudden, like, the, the people ahead of us are getting off the green. I look in the bunker just to the left of the green. This ball is pin high sitting in the bunker. 
Oh. <laughs> Just absolutely piss missile this thing. Still got a par, but you know what? It's okay. Like, it hey, anytime probably, you can get a get a par out of a sand shot, it's always it good. It was probably the best shot or best shot of my life, easily. You know that. That's, oh wow! That's, now we now we lost Grant. Oh, nothing to be. I don't know where he is. Uh oh! Looks like looks like uh, Raleigh came in and uh, uh, brought the peanut butter jar. Oh Grant well, good thing he's not the on the air right now. Grant what forgot to pay the internet. Hello. Yeah, I can, it's me. I can, can can hear him, but so Ethan, have you? How many times have you gone over to uh, Canterbury to go uh, to the horse? Uh, oh, twice. What was that twice now? Once with Grant. You won anything? Uh, New yet. Year's. And then I guess Grant came. Fourth of July. Thursday. Fourth of July. Sorry, not New Year's. Yeah, Fourth of July. <laughs> um, no, I did not. Uh, I did not actually win any. Or I won the first one. I bet on on. Uh, Fourth of July, I did a nice win show. So first and third, got that right. Um, oh, he's gone again. But then no. uh, on Thursday, I only had like a dollar ninety-five, and I didn't bring cash to like put in the machine or anything. So then I was just doing like super, super exacta or uh, superfecta, which is like you get the top four, or an exacta, which you get the top two, like all this stuff. Like you have to do it exactly right. It's not where you do like a win show. Say one horse get you pick one horse to you put first and they get third but then the third place gets first like vice versa you win that this one you don't and my horse has finished uh second and first instead of first and second so i lost that oh one. otherwise i would have won I think it was like 40 bucks or something like that like you only bet 20 cents but the odds are so crappy that you you can win good money off and play for a while yeah okay i think i made gotcha. it five out of six races at nine uh, with a dollar 95 Ooh, wow. I, I did pretty well. I mean, I didn't win any, but I, I came close. Okay. Gotcha. When are you when are you going back next? I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I just, uh, Randy Hauser comes here at the end of the, I think, mid-August. I get just got an email. I get 20% off for living here. So, you know, maybe we'll go see some Randy Hauser. Oh, not bad. I'll go on Saturday, but I think we're actually... We're going to head to the 3M Open instead, I guess, is what we decided. Tonight. Oh, you are going. Oh, yeah, sweet. I'm yeah, jealous. We're going to go. So, yeah, it's going to be a good time. Um, Don't uh, don't ask Sergio what Saturdays are for. I don't I've know if that doesn't end well. Year. I did not see oh. him on the, <laughs> on the list. Okay. But, uh, I can go yeah, one Saturday. of these years we'll get back. JT okay. is my guy, so we'll, we'll, I'll bring him some good vibes. Are you going to bring him a tampon? No, 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 no. We're doing no. we're doing the cup. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, but I didn't get to watch any of the British Open at all. But uh Harmon pretty much uh took care of business. It wasn't much of a battle down the line, but I was like texting Brock a little bit on Sunday. I was like, I've never seen somebody in such shitty conditions just so calm and hit like insane shots like they were i shouldn't say insane they weren't great by any means but they're like he was 58 out of 59 within 10 feet putting this weekend Jeez. like that's insane that is absolutely asinine do you can you hear me am i back or no yeah yeah oh yeah you're back oh okay well i think i saw he had like 79 putts this weekend or just it stupid. Was a ridiculous number where it was the lowest in a major in like five years with the yeah, he was of, a stud. He, he put it like 
anywhere between eight that's to like 19 uh, feet. That's like 20 putts around. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. He was stupid good. 58 of 59 within 10 feet. Ooh. Ooh. Brother, brother was just dialed in. You can't beat that. Well, and especially after Rom went 63 on Saturday and still didn't put a dent in it. Said that was the best round yeah. of his life. Yeah. And he still lost by five. Yeah. He was just so calm and collective. Like, there was nothing was going to beat him that day. <laughs> what no. is your yeah, and that, that wraps up all the majors for the year. Um, Rory's going on year 10 without winning one, but um, he's he's more worried about the, uh, what did he say? He's more worried, focused on winning his, winning the FedEx Cup here in a couple of weeks. Um, and then, then it kind of enters a little bit of an interesting, interesting, uh, off season of sorts for for golf with the uh, the PGA and Live merger, see what's going to happen there as far as how everything goes. But with that, we'll we'll wrap up here and we'll we'll go over to curveball of the week, which I have, and I've been simmering on this one for a while here. I don't know how I thought of this. I this was in laying in bed one night, I couldn't sleep, and I for some reason thinking of curveball of the week questions. And I came across this one now. So, hypothetically, we you guys are on The Bachelor, and it's the point of the season where you you take the your date or whatever. I'm not I'm not a Bachelor expert. I'm not sure how it works. But when they when they go go to the the Bachelor's hometown, what would a perfect what would what would be the night Ooh. look like for you guys? In your guys' hometown. So, Ethan, I, Wilmer, Grant, Mankato, me, Dickinson. What? How would how would your guys' night go? Start with dinner, and then what you're doing after, which bars, and then what 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 a, cla- a typical night in your hometown looks like. I guess first you're gonna take them to Cheers out in Raymond because that's the best bar ever. Um, you you they have the old uh, what do you want to call it? Where you put the money into play songs, you can control it. Um, jukebox. Yes, a jukebox. I can't remember. Uh, there's like a way you can do it on your phone and stuff now too. Touch but, tunes. Uh, touch tunes. Touch tunes. That's what I'm talking about. So you just you do some touch tunes for a while. You know, get a nice chicken shirt melt. Uh, just the classic there. Then you take them out to Green Lake, out in Spicer, and it's a 30 minute drive, but that's okay. It's all in the same area. Uh, and then you end the night at Zorba's because Zorba's on the lake is where you go to not remember things. So it, it'd be perfect. All right. There you go. Nothing beats it. Grant? No, not at all. Well, it, it's kind of fitting that I'm wearing a hat with a, with a buffalo on in Mankato. You got to start out when you go. If, if we're really getting in like what they do on The Bachelor, you got to go to Minneapolis State Park and you got to see the wild buffalo. You got to see the herd of the buffalo. Go out to the park, go to the waterfalls, make it romantic, blah, 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 blah. You got to do it for the cameras. Got to do it for ABC. And then uh, probably you'd go to um, the re- a restaurant downtown called Number Four. Uh, it's owned, owned by a family. They own five or six restaurants, Mankato, and then uh, some diamond stores like that. And you're already downtown. And then Ethan would know once you leave Number Four, you got to go to Rounders. Uh, you got to go to the underground for two for one. Oh, all the time. Yes. You go to, you, from, what is it, like, 
I can't nine to eleven. I think it's two, two for ones at the underground. So you, you go there, um, and then after that, you probably go to, um, just down the block to Blue Bricks, where you're gonna go on a patio. You know, have a couple beers, play some pool inside, and just kind of shoot the shit. And then if you want to possibly wake up with a rash, then you end up end the night at uh, Rounders. Rounders or South. <laughs> Get both good options. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ending the night with a rash. That's or wake up wake waking up with a rash. That's so, sounds fun. That that should be that should be on a sign when you enter Mankato. Leave wake up with a rash. Leave leave, leave with a rash. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but now now we're back we're to Dick Me, which is Dickinson, North Dakota. So you're starting the night out. You're going to El Sombrero Mexican restaurant. They have, and you get what's called a P5, which is chicken rice. Uh, you can get get it with veggies. I usually do because you got to be somewhat healthy before you dump a bunch of queso over it all. And then with uh, you get <laughs> like three tortillas you can have. Yep, and and then you have 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 a couple of margaritas there. And then after that, then you're going, which it's changed in about the span of about five years, probably about two or three years ago is right around COVID is when everything kind of, you saw a turn where if you would have asked me in 2019, it would have been the spur, but now everyone's going to be going to neighbors, which in the end, it's the same owner. So they're still making good amount of money. And you go there, you hang out there, you have some popcorn. Maybe if the simulator's open, you rent out the golf simulator there play there, hang out, and, and have some popcorn. And then after Neighbors, when it's about 10, 30, 11, you get in the lift, and then you head over to Armies West, which you guys don't know what Armies West is, but it is a trashier OB. Oh, boy. That's and they got a dance floor. Um, you know, a lot of the times, and now it's become a – new hobby of mine where I just enjoy going to people watch because I spent my fair amount of time there being watched by people. Now I just kind of go there. Now I go there with just, you know, where I'm, I'm unable to drive a car, but I'm still in full capabilities of my body. And I, I, I know my name and can form coherent sentences for the most but, part, but you know, to, to get the full Dickinson experience, you got to go there borderline blacked out, end up on the dance floor. And then after the bars close at about one, try to get out of there about, yeah, they turn the lights on about 1230, maybe request an Uber at 1215. It's really slow in Dickinson. So you might be waiting a while and you get that, you're getting that lift and you're going to Paragon, the bowling alley, which has, incredible food never had a bad meal there drunk or sober you're getting some mac and cheese bites and whatever entree of your choice you're dipping it in ranch and then you're going home and calling it or calling it a night at about two o'clock in the morning that is quite the night i'm not gonna lie i did not know dickinson had that much stuff oh we do we, we make fun and if not um in the summer going about 30 miles west going over to medora is a good choice. Go see the musical. 
similar to Grant, you can go through Theodore Roosevelt National yep. Park, go see some buffalo, some prairie dogs, occasional deer, um, and then go eat there, go to the musical, watch some watch some fireworks, or or go up to the lake and hang out there, do do lake stuff. But that would be a uh, that would be the night. Um, a night in Dickinson is Elsom, neighbors, armies, Paragon. I should make shirts that say that. After hearing that, I, I got to change mine up. Screw number four. You got to go to Mazatlan and Mankato. Got to get the Mexican food. You know, okay. You know, the, they have the, the pollo asada, three tortillas, um, chicken, steak. Uh, you know, fajitas, rice, refried beans, get a couple margaritas. You can't beat it. So got to go to Mazatlan for dinner. Best Mexican food in Mankato. And there's about 20 different Mexican places. So, you know, it's actually good. Okay, there you go. So whenever we make it to Mankato, I'm fully expecting, and Wilmer for that matter, Southwest Minnesota area, because you do go into Raymond a little bit. Oh, yeah. So you got to go to Cheers. When we go, that is the... uh, I, I, I'm really looking forward to getting the full Mankato and Southwest Minnesota experience. I'm oh, not gonna lie. Sure. We had Ethan's is totally the best just because of Zorba's. Oh yeah, Zorba's, Zorba's is good. That it's that's just the trump card on everything. It's like, hey, we're on the lake, uh, pizza, good looking women, alcohol, life is good. Yeah, could it get better than that? Their pizza's good. Everything else there, food wise, is trash, but the pizza's good. There you go. It's it's a win. So you think they're they're used they're known for their pizza then? There you go. Yeah. And and we're we're done within an hour too. Wow. We uh that that wraps up episode eighty eight of the three guys talking about podcast. We'll have the segments of the show out on Friday. Go subscribe on YouTube three three guys talking about podcast uh, Facebook as well as the same name twitter instagram tiktok is 3gtb podcast go like subscribe follow us there we'll be posting content there as well and with that we'll talk to you next time